think you're going to love um, my guest today, um, Professor Heath Carter from Princeton Seminary, um, Assistant Professor of, of History, right? Yep. American Christianity, yep. And, and History of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And um, we're here to talk about why uh, our past matters for our future. It's great to have a historian to talk about that and particularly the work he's doing right now. I'm Lee Henson Hasey. I'm Senior Director Theological Education Funds Development uh, at the Presbyterian Foundation, uh, a ministry of the Committee on Theological Education. And um, just, uh, I've been looking forward to this. I've been watching the Black Church series mm -hmm. on PBS yeah, and yeah. thinking about our conversation here and the work you're doing. Um, I'm just, I'm just really pumped. I see Jim Kitchens out from California joining us, Anna Pickney Strait from West Virginia. Um, please put your questions. Um, Rebecca Malozzi from Pennsylvania, not too far away. Hmm. Um, and put, we'd love to, love to hear from you all. Um, so let me say that Heath is uh, been just been at Princeton two years now. And, and a lot of that time you've been teaching online, yeah, I guess. It's a strange time to come. Yeah, true. <laughs> but true. doing some really interesting things. Um, Heath is has his PhD from Notre Dame, a master's also from Notre Dame, um, uh, a master's for, in religious history from the University of Chicago, an undergraduate in history and theology uh, at Georgetown University. Um, he is, uh, before he taught at Princeton, was at Valparaiso, uh, which is part of his sort of Lu uh, mm -hmm. Lutheran tradition, um, but he's an active member. He and his family, three boys and wife, are at uh, Nassau Presbyterian there, right on, practically on the campus. Yeah. So shout yeah. out to Dave yeah. Davis and, and others there. <laughs> what a great church that is. Hmm. Um, uh, has been a lecture. I, I encourage you to Google him because there's some great lectures. He has a website, HeathCarter.com, right? Heath w. Um, Carter. Yeah, I got the middle initial. Oh, HeathWCarter.com. Um, and um, just some really great stuff. What I got introduced to him because just a few years ago, um, Princeton came out with a his really beautiful document, this slavery audit, uh, race audit that they've done. And that's sort of looking back, but he, part of his work is also looking forward. So we'll be talking about those questions, what that means, in addition to a lot of other things. He really works and a lot of your work around, we're written about unions and labor, but a lot of race, things that at the intersection of Christianity and the public square, which are front and center right now. Yeah. <laughs> They've yeah. always been front and center or should be front and center. So yeah. if you have questions about religion, uh, Christianity and the public square, let's let's talk about that. But before we really dig in, let me just invite you, Heath, to, to share what is making you come alive because Howard Thurman says we need people who are coming alive. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, let me just say first of all, thank, it's wonderful to be with you and, and wonderful to be with uh, all those out there too. Um, you know, I, what makes me come alive? I, I, you know, I've, I've been here at Princeton for just a year and a half, and, and I kind of got into this line of work because I love teaching, um, love students, love the opportunity to to uh, speak, you know, talk to them and, and get to know them and be a part of their life and their discernment. And I did that for seven years with undergraduates at Valpo. And now uh, the chance to do that with seminarians is just such a rich, uh, wonderful privilege, to be honest. Um, but, you know, along the way, I, I, I really also fell in love with research. And this year I'm actually on sabbatical and, and uh, 
writing away on a book about kind of the, the longer history of, of the social gospel or social Christianity in the United States. Um, and, you know, I was just uh, tweeting the other day that, you know, 15 or so years into this whole history thing for me, I, I still love uh, a good find. You know, you find that thing in the right. archive that, a little. <laughs> oh, it's such a, such a thrill. Um, so right now I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of digital archival work because all the, the regular right. archives are shut, shut down. Um, but, you know, just love uh, the chance to dive into stories and, and people's lives and the messiness and the beauty and, and the brokenness there. So uh, teaching and, and research, those are the, those are the things that that's thankfully beautiful. make me come alive because that's my job. <laughs> right. My um, my father-in-law taught me this and, and I can see it in you. It's not about just teaching the subjects, it's teaching the students, right? I mean, oh, and yeah. it's those relationships and this course we're going to talk about in a minute is really exciting that, that you're working on. But let me just say that um, I'm grateful for who you are and what you're doing and um, uh, all the ways you also love a good story. You're, you're, you're an editor also of a uh, mm -hmm. significant series with yeah. Erdman's press. Um, yeah. Tell, yeah. tell us about yeah, it's called the library of religious biography. Um, it's right. a series that was started by uh, Mark Knoll and a couple of his colleagues in the early 1990s and, and sort of a way for uh, historians who want to write for wider publics to sort of practice doing that. And, and I, you know, I got involved about five years ago and just love it. And I love it for so many reasons. Um, you know, the chance to talk to authors about uh, who they might want to write about, the stories they might want to tell through those individual lives. Um, and, you know, we, we just get a chance to not only work with great authors, but to publish really important books. And they're important both for the academy, but also for the church. Um, just this past fall, we published a new religious uh, biography of Howard Thurman. Um, Good. He's really, you know, really excited about that one. Um, we've got, you know, big ones coming up, too, on uh, everything from sort of pop culture folks, uh, Aretha Franklin and whatnot, to... Uh, politicians. We've got one coming out in a couple of years on Richard Nixon. Excited about that one. So, I, I got to ask this because I I know you're you're well known back at Valparaiso for this course on um, hip hop America. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. any hip hop artists we can look in that that. Oh series. my gosh! You know, I I don't think we have <laughs> any contracts right now, but it would be a great idea. You know, when I, when I was teaching that course at Valpo. Uh, I just became convinced that there are a few better ways into kind of post-60s American history than through the story of hip-hop. Right. I mean, about race and gender and capitalism and all, I mean, religion, so many different things. Uh, and, and it was such a, a fun course to teach. And one, to be honest, where, um, you know, students could teach me as much as I could teach them. I had kind of the context yeah. and the background, but they know the music in a way that to be honest, I mean, I, I don't. Uh, so it was a fun kind of exchange and uh, made for, you know, a really rich classroom experience. What I love about what, you, and you've been doing this for a while now, not just since the Black Lives Matter movie, but I, I love to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, yeah. and, yeah. Um, but what I think Black Lives Matter and others, you know, uh, have been saying um, is, you know, uh, white folk, you got to do your work. We can't, do, you know, oftentimes we turn to persons of color to help do the kind of race work and investigation that we're, we need to do ourselves and, yeah. and investigate and interrogate our own privilege. And it yeah. sounds like 
it's something you do in your own life, but it's something you also are, yeah. are sort of uh, mentoring students um, yeah. and doing too. And, and I'm sure not just, uh, not just white students, but, um, yeah. but others, everybody sort of, you know, mm. looking back yeah. and it sounds like, Sounds like that's a theme for your your work is to look yeah. back so that people can move forward in a new way. Would, would yeah, is that I mean, accurate? I think. Well, I think especially you know around questions of race. Obviously, uh, you know those are those are questions that as a society today and for you know going way back, we've struggled to really talk about in a constructive way in the public square. Um, and my own conviction about that is that history is actually a real help and aid to our ability to talk about these right. things because. It kind of takes you out of the realm of uh, the ideological battles and into the realm of like, how did we get here? And I think <laughs> we can kind of get on the same page, uh, at least to some extent, about how we got here. Um, it's a helpful frame for the conversation about how we go forward. Um, and I certainly found that. I found that in teaching and whatnot that, um, you know, a lot of times people really don't know much about uh, both the good and the bad. I mean, you know, people talk about civil rights and and I've often found with students that you know you might especially with undergraduates but you know to some extent uh others too that you know they might know a true sentence about Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks but beyond that there's not a lot there um there's not a lot there about you know how how where it is that these kind of racial disparities today that we still see um where they come from right. so I think helping people to understand that becomes really an important foundation for the, the conversation about where so I'm going to, I'm going to put in a plug. I think this is a lecture you gave at Concordia college yeah. on, uh, at, in 2017 on, yeah. on the reformation yeah. Yeah. and part of your reformation includes Richard Allen, you know, yeah. which is yeah. not probably yeah. everybody's story of the reformation. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, African-American pastor. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Founder um, of the African Methodist Episcopal church and a, a sort of really important figure in the history of American Christianity, someone who's undersung in many circles. Uh, right. yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the beauty of, 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 of introducing people to the past is there's such kind of rich stories there. There's so much mm -hmm. we can learn from kind of that great cloud of witnesses that's gone before us. Um, but also I think, you know, we, we learn about, you know, we, we know that there are systems and structures out there in the world today that, bear the the kind of brokenness of the sins of the past as well and i think right. kind of having a clear-eyed view on the ways in which that's true um gives us the sort of perspective we need to really redemptively engage those systems and structures today um so as you were arriving at princeton this princeton seminary and slavery a report of the historic audit historical audit committee um was published um there have been some press releases if people haven't seen it it's it's available online yeah i've not read it all i've read just mm -hmm. portions of it but um as you're arriving there this is coming out and this sort of looks back right primarily but yeah. it's it really is kind of antebellum period you were telling me back yeah, it, it looks back and it looks forward. And I think it's an okay. important okay. document. I, I'd really highly commend it to anyone who's listening today. I mean, it's a, it's a document that, um, you know, part of its purpose is just to tell the story of Princeton Seminary's relationship to slavery. Um, and, you know, we're not the only institution that's doing this. A lot of colleges and universities are doing this sure. right now and trying to understand. My alma mater, Georgetown, uh, was, was a leader in this work and trying to understand um, you know, the extent to which uh, there are financial entanglement entanglements, ideological entanglements and whatnot. So partly the audit uh, is telling the story of, of some of our own financial entanglements and kind of a slave economy of that period. 
right. but also the ways that Princeton Seminary was the leader of a colonization movement that um, was seen by many at the time as a kind of progressive way to end slavery, but that in retrospect, we can certainly see was also um, a kind of end to slavery on a, on a racist basis. And, and uh, you know, the colonizationists who were here and who really gave a kind of theological lens for people to kind of embrace that movement, they couldn't imagine that black people, free black people could live here in the United States alongside white people. Um, and so they, they had this idea of, you know, sending people back to Liberia. Um, right was the way to the way forward. Um, the thing that I think is important about this, you know, it's not just sort of uh, academic history for the purposes of, of, of knowing uh, things about the past, but it's also, it, it helps us to understand how we as an institution got to the place that we're at. And, and part of what the board did, um, and this remains, you know, a challenge for us, to be honest, as an institution is to figure out what do we do with that story? How do we move forward? <laughs> What do we, you know, mm -hmm. um, part, part of what that document includes, and I think it's really a remarkable section, is a confession. Mm -hmm. a confession about the ways that this institution has promoted and propagated ideas that now we see as deeply wrong and, and sinful. Um, but it's also, uh, you know, when we were part of what, you know, the response to the document and to the confession was to say, well, how do we move forward? What do we do? And for right. a year, the, the seminary community and the board deliberated and prayed about um, what we might do. And, and last, let's see, October of 2019. So it was the fall that I got here. It's a very eventful first year here between uh, this stuff in the fall and then the pandemic in the spring. Uh, but that fall of 2019, the board um, adopted a kind of set of, of resolutions and measures that we were going to take as sort of, uh, I think they called it a first step along a road to repentance. And um, it's everything it's, from- it's not, something, it's not a one and done. You can't no, just- <laughs> Not at all, not at all. And I think that's part of what, you know, we really as a community, I think it's the work of my generation of faculty coming in here uh, in part is to figure out what step two and three and four look right. like. Uh, so there's curriculum. I mean, you're telling me there's curriculum changes that are- There's a lot happening here and it's exciting stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's everything, you know, part of what came out of the audit were new scholarships. We're going to have a, a new faculty line studying African-American Christianity that'll be hired in a couple of years. Um, but yeah, earlier this fall, we passed a new curriculum um, and audit is a part of that curriculum, but it's partly a curriculum that, you know, designed to, to bring the best of who we've been together with uh, lots of the gifts and insights that this new generation of faculty coming in uh, can bring to bear on questions around race and class and gender and sexuality and all these sort of difficult public square kinds of issues. It's a curriculum that's not afraid to tackle those things and to say, we've really got to get our students thinking about them. Well, and you've already um, teaching a course sort of along these lines as yeah. I guess uh, maybe even before the curriculum was passed. Mm -hmm. But why don't you share about that? Because it has what I was interested in when we were uh, talking uh, maybe a month ago is yeah. you were talking about some of the research that yeah. some of the students were doing, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, one of my, so I'm, I, you know, my specialty is really in the post-Civil War era. And so uh, the, doc, the, the audit document is really remarkable and worth, everyone taking a look at, but it ends really in the, with the Civil War. And uh, there's a lot of story to be told from uh, about Princeton Seminary and race from 1865 to- Sure, right. <laughs> um, and, and so last uh, Jan term, we were actually able to, I, I taught a course, uh, basically bringing students into the, the seminary archive. And it was a phenomenal, it was right actually before the pandemic. So it was, I'm grateful we were able to squeeze it in. Um,
But, you know, just getting students working in the papers of seminary presidents, working, flipping through old uh, yearbooks and, I mean, identifying uh, black women students who were here and trying to follow these folks' stories. And that's part of what I, I think we, the work we have ahead of us here, in part in thinking about sort of how does the past relate to the future, um, we, are, we have so many stories to tell, stories that I think are cause for celebration, stories that are cause for lament, um, but stories that will help us to understand both who we've been as a seminary and who, we're, who, who we want to become. Um, and I think those questions are all, you know, important and on the table in a, in a really uh, clear way right now. I'll, you know, I'm noticing your language. You've, you've used Thanksgiving, you've used celebration, you've used lament, you've used confession. Yeah. Um, I, I heard, um, feel like I heard you say at some point somewhere around, you know, um, at Princeton Seminary, um, you know, Jesus Christ being at the center of who yeah. you are. I mean, even yeah. though you come, the, the students and faculty come from, you know, yes, yeah. a Presbyterian related institution. Yeah. But, but folks from a lot of different um, Christian traditions. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that language that you're, yeah. it's, this is not just a, uh, a regular American historian kind of language. It's important to say that it's... Yeah. Well, I think, I think that the, the history really matters for the church. And, and I think um, when we don't know our own history, we don't know our own stories, we're really missing out on an incredible resource, um, a resource of kind of examples of incredible faithfulness in times of trial and trouble, um, right. but also uh, an incredible resource in terms of things, cautionary tales, mm -hmm. things that we should learn from and, and about. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, for, he, for me to be here has been such a joy. Um, one of my first uh, chapel services after coming to the seminary, President Barnes, um, you know, it was, like I said, it was, a, it was a challenging fall with the audit being released and, and kind of the debate around what, what do we do? And, and that debate will go on. It's not over um, about how we move forward. But I remember him saying, and I, and I really it just deeply resonated with me that um, here at Princeton Seminary, uh, we have an incredibly wide range of, of people from all different backgrounds and confessions and whatnot, but Jesus Christ is the center and the center holds. And I believe that. And I think, um, you know, we don't, there's not a lot of other things that we might have in common here, um, but that is, a, that is the most important thing. And, and it's a grounds for really uh, deep reflection and engagement with the past and, and the present and the future. You know, uh I don't know if you've seen this part of the Black Church series with PBS. Uh, I, I promise I'm not getting, I don't have any endorsements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, uh, it, in the first few minutes, it has uh, Otis Moss III, a little clip from his sermon. I don't know if you saw that. It's about the paralyzed man trying to get him in to be healed yeah. by Jesus and the religious authority standing outside. And mm. he says, he says, Never should you confuse position with power. You made me think of this just now. Um, he said, you know, Pharaoh had the position, but Moses had the power. Herod had the position, but John had the power. And this yeah. is the one that snuck up on me. Yeah. Um, and it goes to what you're saying. The cross had a position. Yeah. Yeah. But Jesus had the power, yeah. you know, but yeah. then he goes to Woodrow Wilson had the position, but Ida B. Wells, mm. you know, a, yeah. a social gospeler, you know, had the power, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. It, it, it is it's so important, though, I think, that you shape this around. This is Christian. This is this is a way we witness yeah. um, in, in Presbyterian language, you know, to um, how we can 
uh, glorify how we can witness to our faith in Jesus Christ today and, yep. and, and follow that call. You know, folks who are out there and folks are commenting, you know, this sounds like other institutions could learn from this. What do you think? And there's a lot of pastors and church leaders out there. What do you think churches can do? You know, yeah, what, what, what are some, I bet there's some low hanging fruit that if they yeah. just look around. Yeah. yeah. Them, a lot of them are trying to do this work in various ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's, there's a, that's a great question and, and an important one. And I think uh, there's a variety of answers. I mean, one, one thing I, I think, depending on the kind of church, depending on how long your church has been around to know the church's history. Uh, I mean, as a church historian myself, I think that's a, can be an important thing. And often you'd be surprised what, uh, even in this time of uh, things being shut down, you can find online, Google Books, right. things digitized, you know, going back into the, the 19th century. Um, but I think, you know, knowing the story of how your church community is engaged um, in, the, in the public square, that could be very illuminating. Sometimes, you know, if a, new, if a newer congregation or, or whatnot, um, knowing your denominational history, but I think also just understanding how um, <clears throat> the church's witness in the past and in, in, in American history, there's a lot of great work coming out right now on, um, you know, for example, around the question of, of Christianity and race, we think about someone like Jamar Tisby. Mm-hmm. He's written a, a fabulous book called The Color of Compromise, <clears throat> which looks at, uh, you know, the, the story of Christianity's entanglement in, in racism in the United States. And he's just got a new one that I haven't had a chance to read yet. I've got a copy sitting on my desk called How to Fight Racism. So I think if you're a pastor out there and you're thinking about that, I mean, Jamar is a, a faithful believer himself and is, is doing this work because he loves the church. Um, and he believes, like I do, that, that history matters for the church. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think just getting folks engaged in a way, um, I think it's a way, you know, we're, we live in a polarized age. And like I said, I think, um, and what I've found in my own classroom, I think it'd be true in churches too, that um, history is a way, you know, kind of going back can also be a way of of flying under the radar of kind of some of the ideological uh, paralysis that we experience right. and it can be challenging. And even interpersonal, even interpersonal totally. kind of conflict. Yeah, totally. I mean, just studying the past as a, as a way forward, I think, in a conversation that seems stuck, um, to me, to me, that's, that's a, there's a lot of promise there. Um, so I think I'd, I'd commend history to pastors. I and mean, there's more recommendations. I'd be happy to send along a list at some point. Um, you know, but just getting your flock engaged in, in the story of how we got here. I think there's, there's, you'll be surprised at how generative it'll be of ideas about, hey, what do we do next week? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it just, it'll just stimulate people's creativity. Nice. I'm uh, Deborah Rexrod, who is a Presbyterian leader in the James down in Virginia, saying first church, Charlottesville, Virginia mm-hmm. used the color of compromise, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is great. We, we yeah. may get some work. Uh, oh gosh, David, what is the, uh, head of staff there? Um, Deborah, maybe put his name in there. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting, but uh, the <laughs> Presbyterian historical society, which I think you've had done yep. some work with is a great resource and they're doing some 100%. webinars and their stuff online. Yep. Um, so yep. there's some great resources, but you're right. I, I, I preached at a church not too far from Louisville here a couple of years ago. Um, and just on their website, you know, read some things around how, Fair, and they they were founded. I mean, I want to say seventeen something. I mean, they were they were fairly early congregation, and very early on, um, actually welcomed and baptized persons of color, African Americans specifically, as members. Um, they were sitting in the balcony, but they were, you know, but they 
and and even doing that was risky in what in in terms of of that particular time period. And it's funny when I share that story with them, most of the members, I mean, it's on their website. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. most of them didn't know. Like, where did you hear that story? I'm like, yep. I read it on your website. Yep. You know, um, it's in the minutes of your session. You know, uh, probably. I mean, I, I find still today. I mean, just doing this work for me. Um, and like I said, right now I'm doing a lot of research and writing this sabbatical year. Um, there is something sort of deeply it's a kind of spiritual work to be honest yeah. to, to read not it. just academic it's not just no, academic. it's not and i think i think as you read history you, you read up on the stories and you see people struggling to find their way forward in their day um you know there's something that it, it stimulates in in me and i think in others too a sense of uh what can we learn mm-hmm. from this and and again just i think uh we have to, at some level, face the the deep sinfulness of, of those who have gone before us. Mm-hmm. And, and partly we also have to realize how their sins are connected to ours and how we're part of, we're not just sort of uh, readers of past stories. We are also characters in a story mm-hmm. unfolding right now. And I think that's the other thing that <clears throat> this kind of work can, can remind one of is, you know, we, the story still goes on. <laughs> um, and, and we are characters in it and, and the stakes are, are significant. Um, and God's with us in the stories, just like Amen. God was with others, uh, before us. So is, is it, you know, when, so looking, I, I see our time is getting short, but, um, so, so is it as simple as looking at the past and seeing those and that old <laughs> mantra? So you don't repeat that into the future. Mm-hmm. Is that, or is it, you know, what is it that you think that looking back, is it is it's, it can be generative? Is what I'm hearing. Is it helps yeah. generate what a, a, a different future can look like? Yeah. Um, is that how you? I, I how think you say it? one of the things. I don't think it's so simple as <clears throat> let's see what happened before, so we can just do things differently now, right? right. I mean, part of what my own sense of this as a as a white Christian in the United States is, if you really take a close look at the past, um, I I don't see how you can emerge from it not daunted by mm. the scope. Of, of the church and our fellow believers' complicity in mm-hmm. um, some of the deepest injustices of our national history. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what that does, it doesn't solve the problem for us. It doesn't point us the you know, true arrow straight way forward, but what it does, I think it, it helps us to have the right spirit as we talk together about how to move forward. It, it gives us a sense of humility. It gives us a sense of the need for lament. Uh, I think it motivates us to listen to believers of color and others in our communities who um, have been on the other side of, of these stories and who are still today. Um, so I think, I think, again, there's a sort of a way in which it forms us mm-hmm. uh, as, as doers and as listeners and as hearers and as people who want to follow the Lord, but also recognize that um, there are some deep grooves in our national history that um, are pushing in other directions. And that's really hard. Yes, right. Well, it's good that we have partners like you. Um, <laughs> and I'm so grateful for your work and your continuing work, and uh, along, especially on, alongside students, but alongside <laughs> the church broadly. Thanks. Uh, it sounds like you, your call to Princeton was at the right moment. <laughs> it's clear, and it's mm. something exciting going forward. Um, I, gosh, I wish we had more time. We may have to have you back. <laughs> We maybe can talk the for book, a long time. I have no maybe, doubt. Yeah. Maybe when the book, maybe when the book yeah. gets published, um, yeah. uh, that would that would be nice. Uh, friends in uh, 
in a couple of weeks. Uh, this is also on the podcast, Leading Theologically. We're going to have Christine Hong, who's at Columbia Seminary. I don't know if you know her. Um, you would enjoy her, uh, Heath. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, decolonializing uh, learning in the church. So this is another way to work on this. Um, and she's also speaking the week before at the next church, a national gathering as a keynote speaker. A couple of our speakers or visitors, Landon Whitsett, uh, Bertram Johnson, have also be at that. So I encourage folks to sign up for that. That's free the week before. Um, uh, another opportunity on a similar theme here. Um, so uh, hope, hope to see you at next. Hope to see you on the 10th. But before we go, um, if you would be willing just to send us, bless us, charge us. Absolutely. Um, if it would be, um, we'd be grateful. Sure. Let's pray. Oh God, our help in ages past, we give thanks for the great cloud of witnesses that has gone before us, saints whom you created and loved. Their faithfulness in troubled times is an inspiration and a prod. May we also have the wisdom to face their sins and the humility to see how they connect to our own the landscapes and systems and communities that structure our everyday lives are riddled with injustice. In the archive, we find clues to how we got here and reminders that we too are characters in the story. Help us to discern our way faithfully forward, God. You are our hope for years to come. Amen. Amen, that was beautiful. Um, it's good to have you as a discernment partner Great to and, be with you, Lee. Thank you so thank much. You. Really Blessings. enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, stay safe, wear your mask. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Slide too much. Uh, <laughs> uh, I hope to hope to see you soon. Friends, take care. Mm-hmm.